you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. All right, welcome again to another edition of the Huddle and Flow podcast. I'm Steve White with my guy here, Jim Trotter. And Jim, we, we wrap up week three with Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs making us feel they played possum week one and week two because they just tore apart the Baltimore Ravens. We saw a great quarterback play out of Josh Allen once again in Buffalo, the only good team in the New York State area the other two teams jim i i don't know if i can say it right now but you want me you want me to say it trash <laughs> if you want to trash man that's how they're playing i mean that's the only thing trash. you can say in terms of how they're playing it's it's not meant to be disrespectful but it speaks to the level of play look when, when you're the jets and you get dominated by clubs or you're the giants and you play the 49ers b team and you still get dominated. I mean, do you? I can go through the list of all of the 49er starters who did not play, and yet they still win. What was it, 36 to nine? Yeah, well, I mean that's it, embarrassing, man. Yeah, we're it's we're we're going to talk a little bit a little bit later on that because it is a disaster. I mean, they want to put those two teams on a barge in Staten Island and take them out there to the dump and unload them and start from scratch. But also, ouch, um, ouch, ouch. you call them trash. Steve. And I just tell them what you do with trash. <laughs> That's what we did. Look, you know, we're seeing, you know, just crazy things continue to happen all around the league. And, you know, you talked about the Jets taking that L. They just got mollywopped by the Colts. And we're going to bring on their linebacker, Darius Leonard, who had 11 tackles that game. And it was pretty easy for him. But, Jim, let's get to some real-world stuff as, as we come out of week three. We find out Tuesday morning the NFL releases a statement that the Tennessee Titans had three players and five staffers test positive for COVID-19. They're going to suspend all team operations until they go through the full protocols and get that series of negative tests, as are the Minnesota Vikings, the team they played Sunday. Jim, they're proceeding as if they are going to play in week four, although they're not going to have on-field work. I don't know if they can have weight room work, treatments going on with doctors. This is a very odd situation. This is like the Marlins and Cardinals that we saw in, in Major League Baseball early when they resumed. Just what about the scenario? Yeah, Steve, this is a tough one because there's still so much we don't know in terms of how this is going to play out going forward. Look, we all knew going into the season that there was this possibility that something like this could happen, that a team could have a number of positive tests. My hope right now is that these are false positives, as we saw earlier, where there were reports of a number of positive tests and they turned out and it turned out that the testing was was um, there was an issue with that, as opposed to players or coaches actually having positive tests. I don't know how you prepare for a game if you can't be together, um, if you can't go through practice, all those sorts of things. So I'm waiting for more information to see how this is going to, to, to impact these clubs. But right now, man, it again, and I know we've been saying this, it seems all, um, 
offseason, really, but unprecedented, you know, because we've never gone through anything like this. You don't know how to how to react it or how to, how to react to it or how to view it. And, and Jim, at the time that we were recording this, we still don't know that the three players, are they all from the same position group? I mean, is it three yeah. tight ends? You know, are they three quarterbacks? Are, are they, yeah. you know, three offensive linemen? So that's something we all have to wait to see how it plays out. But again, the league knew that they were going to have positive tests. It's just kind of the inevitability of it. And the discipline of players so far um, has been absolutely remarkable. But I don't think this is going to catch anyone off guard. Now, how is the league and these teams going to handle this and keep the schedule uh, moving as it is set. But one of, one, of the reasons, one of the reasons it's kind of jarring, though, Steve, is that everything has been so good to this point. Yep. You know, prior to this week, they said last week there were no positive tests among players. And you go through training camp and all of that, and we see how low the numbers were. So that's why, uh, for me at least, it's a little jarring is because even though back in, in the beginning I said, you can expect at some point this might happen. The fact that everything has been so good, um, it just kind of throws you for a minute now when news like this comes in. Yeah, that's where that contact tracing is going to allow them to isolate people, people they've been in touch with and things like that. We'll see how that works. And just to note, the Titans, they play host to the Steelers. So you've got two teams that are absolutely rolling. This is a huge game right now. And the winless Vikings travel to winless Houston. So one of those teams gets to get off the schneid. Again, an interesting dynamic. What also is interesting, Jim, is we just saw Monday night. The Kansas City Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes, their defense, they took apart the Ravens. I mean, this was a systematic dismantling in every facet of the game. I just want to get you know your reaction to this because to me, my first thought is the the Chiefs. They were just kind of going through the motions week one and week two. The way they went to Baltimore and they just dominated a team that most of us thought was the best or one of the best in the NFL and still is. Yeah, no question, Stephen. And, and it's a game. Obviously, you have to feel that Baltimore was targeting. Um, particularly after what happened last year in the playoffs and, and you know, being one and done, that here was an opportunity to say that we've learned from, you know, the mistakes that we made in terms of falling behind early or how to come back. For me, I know people are saying that, that the Ravens aren't performing in prime time under, under um, Lamar. I, I still think it has more to do with their ability to be to play from behind with this offense. Um, we have not seen them do that successfully and consistently. And, and granted, a number of games they've been up early. But it seems when they get behind, they start to press and they get away from some of the things that, that they do. And the other thing for them last night that really was telling to me is when you're playing a team like Kansas City, you have to score touchdowns, not field goals. And they bogged down too many times as they got within the shadows of the goal line. And so for me... Again, it just reflects where the work has to be done. But the narrative about them in big games in prime time or being unable to rally from deficits is going to be out there until they show that they can do it. Unlike Kansas City, where we see deficits mean nothing to the Chiefs. <laughs> nothing. nothing at all. So um, it was a great night for Kansas City, as John Harbaugh said, and, and it was um, a learning experience again for the Ravens. You know, when the Ravens did come back to pull within a touchdown, I was like, okay, they're, they're showing us a little something here. And then Patrick Mahomes says, ha, yeah, okay, that was just a nice little taste for you because he, came, he comes right back, leads him on a touchdown drive. With Patrick Mahomes, I mean, he is under pressure. They, they were pressuring him and the mismatches they were finding. I don't think he had to throw to a double-covered receiver. And, and what they were finding offensively, downfield – you know, they were hitting the explosive plays we didn't think they were going to be able to hit. It was just amazing. And the accuracy that he plays with. And people like Tyreek Hill, he's not just a, a dude who can fly. I mean, you no. saw that catch he made where he jumped about three feet off the ground. Yeah. Touchdown. I mean, you have, you have st excellent players making excellent plays, which is why after seeing that game, I'm kind of like, who can beat these guys? Well, I, I always go back to this, as you know, Steve, anyone can be beaten on any Sunday. Um, you can have a bad day. The thing that was so impressive to me about um, Mahomes was just watching 
how much he has developed in terms of just understanding defenses, understanding situations, and how calm he is with it. When the Ravens showed in uh, cover zero, an all-out blitz, and he knew the pressure was coming. So what does he do? He takes the, the shotgun snap, and he drops back farther than he normally would, knowing that that pressure is coming, just to buy himself some time to say, I'm going to throw it up deep for my receiver to run under for the touchdown, which is what he did. Just that understanding of what's coming at him and how to beat it um, is phenomenal. And to be so young and to, to, to have such a great understanding at this point in his career, man, it, it just I, I just I'm excited to see what's going to happen going forward. And I'll say this, too. It's not just him now. When you look around the league at these quarterbacks, um, we forget Aaron Rodgers right now. We, we don't even talk oh, about him. I, I know I, I know Russell Wilson is on a historic pace with his touchdown passes through the first three games. But Aaron Rodgers, the, the Packers have put up 100, I think, 22 points in their first three games, a franchise record. And he, like Patrick Mahomes and Russell Wilson, is making it look so easy. They just look so comfortable in terms of the system that they're running, the defenses that they're facing. It's just a fun time to watch offensive football in the NFL, or at least in particular quarterback play among these truly great players. Yeah, and Aaron Rodgers right now doesn't have Sammy Watkins, Tyreek Hill, and, and all of these. And he didn't have Devontae Adams this weekend. Didn't have Devontae Adams against the Saints. I mean, he is he is playing pitch and catch with some guys that most people haven't heard of, and he is getting it done. Tim, talking about great quarterback play, Josh Allen, I'm sorry. You know, people can say, how, how can you make a change in accuracy? He is – we saw once again against a good Rams team that came back on him and, and took a lead on him late how accurate and how well – but how composed he's playing. I think back to the playoff game last year in Houston when things got tight late, so did he. And he didn't deliver. And now, I mean, that, the way the Rams came back on them and they were putting pressure on him and the plays he made late – Hey, man, this guy, him and Brian Dayball and, and those receivers have got something really special working in Buffalo. Yeah, the thing for me with quarterback play at times, it's not how you how you perform when everything's going well. It's how you perform when you're in adverse situations. And so early in that game, particularly the first half, Josh Allen was having his way and the Bills were having their way. And when they're up by 25, to have the Rams suddenly come back in the second half and everything seems to be going against you, to be able to say, you know what, let me pump the brakes here and stop this. Now let me hit the gas and go. And to go down and lead a game-winning drive like he did, to me that showed great maturity. Um, again, someone who's more comfortable with what he is now being asked to do. Uh, I thought he was phenomenal uh, down the stretch there. Never mind that I thought it, it, you know, I thought he got jobbed on the interception that they gave the Rams. It kind of started the Rams comeback. Right. Um, but just for him to face and the, and the Bills to face that kind of adversity to say, you know what, I'm going to stop the flow of this game and we're going to take it back the other direction. Tremendous. Um, and it bodes well for the Bills going forward. Yeah, the Rams, they got jobbed on the DPI. But you know what? The Bills had a third and 22 and they come up with a 26 yard gain. Also, there was the crazy play where Allen gets called for a face mask. Right. On a third down, they're pushed back out of field goal range, and all of a sudden he throws a 17 yards to Stephon Diggs. That sets up the play that ends up in the DPI. I mean, even something like that, a favorable call, crazy like that, that's easy to rattle a player. How do I handle that that development? He had ice in his veins. Yeah. And, so, and, and, and for the Rams, I don't want to hear the Rams complain. They got over <laughs> They are the last one. team. Okay. The last and the year before, <laughs> what was it? The, you know, in the playoffs against the Saints. So don't don't let me hear about a um, a pass interference call or non call. Okay. Yeah, they're they are the last team. Well, Jim, you know, we, we talked about Josh Allen, the Bills being the one team in the New York region. We have to say region because, of course, the Giants and Jets play in New Jersey. Um, but the Giants, I mean, we you know, yes, they they lose Saquon. But, Jim, you know, you look at the talent across the board and, you know, I'm just like Daniel Jones may never get a shot. You know, they got Joe Judge, a new coach trying to fix it. But this is to me is an organizational rebuild with the way their talent is set up. They're playing a little bit cleaner football in terms of penalties and things like that. But they just don't seem like they've got a roster that can match up right now. 
No, look, Steve, they couldn't beat the 49ers B team. Think about who the Niners were without. Nick Bosa, Jimmy Garoppolo, Richard Sherman, George Kittle, Debo Samuel, Solomon Thomas, Raheem Mostert, Tevin Coleman, Dee Ford, um, Akela Witherspoon. I mean, those were a number of guys who were prominent in the 49ers Super Bowl run last year who didn't suit up, who didn't play, and yet the Giants still lose, what was it, 36-9? I mean, Got that's crushed. That's, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's just unacceptable. So there's a lot of work to be there. Whether or not Joe Judge is the right guy for that job, I don't know. I didn't think he was the right guy when they hired him and based on everything we had been told the teams were looking for in a head coach. Maybe he will prove me wrong. But all I know right now is that when you play another team's B team and you're not even competitive, get worked. It doesn't bode well. It doesn't bode well. And now, now you're going to start getting all the stuff, the bad energy in the locker room. You know, they're going to come out and say all that good stuff. But when you get crushed like that, you know, again, I, I, it's, it's going to be almost unfair to evaluate Joe Judge this season. And poor Daniel Jones. I mean, he's one of these guys like, are we ever going to see this guy get a shot? And, Jim, what can you say? I mean, to me, the Giants, you know, they're always held up as a keystone organization. One of these things that, you know, they do things the right way. They haven't done things the right way pretty much since Jerry Reese and Tom Coughlin um, were systemically removed from that organization. And it's getting worse and worse year by year. Let me say this, Steve, to, to segue into another topic. We talk so much now as, as we're only three weeks in. But we're already hearing about who's on the hot seat. Will there be coaching changes? All those sorts of things. And the one thing I would always say to people who aspire to be a head coach is not every job is a good job. And I know that there are only 32 of them in the NFL. And therefore, when you get an opportunity, what I hear from people is you got to take it. No, you don't. Because when you go into some of these situations that are not good situations and you are set up in some ways to fail, that's going to reflect on you, which is going to impact your next if you have another opportunity to become a head coach. And I say that as a word of warning, particularly to minority coaches who we know there is going to be a push again by the league next offseason to increase the number of diverse hires. And I'm going to say to people like Eric Bieniemy and others, not every job is a good job. So don't just take one if it's offered. You have to look at the organization from top to bottom, and that starts with ownership and the commitment to winning. And you also have to look at, are you being given the tools to win? One of the things I hate about the NFL at times, and I hear this from coaches, particularly after they've been fired, is that they didn't have an opportunity to to hire their own staff. That in order to get the job, they had to agree to certain people, either as coordinators or position coaches. If someone is going to do that to you right away, that tells you, in my opinion, that in essence, you are being set up to fail because Marty Schottenheimer told me this one time. I go back to when uh, Drew Brees was in San Diego and they drafted or they they traded during the draft for Philip Rivers. And after week one, Drew struggled in a win over Houston. And I went to Marty and said, look, everybody's talking about Philip now. Are you going to make the change? And I'll never forget. He told me no. And he said, you know why? And he said, and I'm going to clean it up here, but he said, if I'm going to screw it up, I'm going to screw it up my way, because at least then I have no one else to blame. And I think these coaches who aspire to be head coaches need to consider that as these jobs do become open um, next offseason. Well, that that leads us to our next subject. We're just going to blanch over a little bit, and that's the Jets. You know, and, and, you know, it looks very much like Adam Gase, unless he can wave a magic wand, that he is going to be out of there. As we know, the GM Joe Douglas was brought in after Adam Gase was hired. He's probably going to have an opportunity to bring in his own guy. Um, they, I mean, them and the Giants are, are bad, but I mean, I don't even know what you could say about the Jets. I mean, Sam Darnold looks terrible. Everything about them is is just as dysfunctional as it gets. And they've got... They've got 13 more games to try to write this, but I, I can't see Adam Gase continuing as the head coach, Jim, um, you know, if they continue to go the way they're going. No, and and look, last year they got off to a terrible start and, and they played better down the stretch the second half of the season. And who knows, maybe they'll do that again this year. But the biggest issue for the Jets to me is, look, we all know and say it is a quarterback-driven league. And if your quarterback is not developing – not because of himself, but because of what's going on around him, 
you've got to take a strong look at, at those things and make adjustments there. Otherwise, you've just wasted a high first round pick and you've ruined the career of a young player. So for me, that's what Joe, Joe Douglas has to look at and say, why is Sam Darnold not progressing here? And if you tie that directly to what's happening with the coaching, you have to make a change. Yeah, well, we think that's going to happen. Well, the last team to put it on the Jets, Indianapolis Colts. So, Jim, on that note, let's bring in our special guest, fellow HBCU product and Colts middle linebacker, the maniac, Darius Leonard. All right, Jim, now we are joined with the maniac, the man, Darius Leonard, South Carolina State, middle linebacker for the Indianapolis Colts. Darius, thanks for joining us, man. No problem, man. Thanks for having me. Hey, man, I just got to, uh, you know, we, we got to holler at the, the HBCU love. That's one, one thing we do here at this podcast is we, we recognize and we're just so proud of you and everything you're doing and representing in all the ways in the NFL. I appreciate it, man. I'm trying to, man. We, like you said, from HBCUs, man, we know how tough it is, and you know, gotta gotta make it. So once you get there, you gotta you gotta do everything you can, not just for yourself, but for all the other guys coming out from HBCUs, just giving them hope as well. You're doing it, no question. You're doing it. On that note, 300 tackles in your first 30 games, first player since 1987 to get that done. But Darius, your reaction, when you were notified of that, you were kind of like, uh, so? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's not my goal, you know? I mean, that's only 10 times a game. Um, you know, if I don't get 15 times a game, I mean, I didn't have a good game. Um, so, you know, just thinking about it as of right now, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't really mean too much to me as right now. But, you know, I figure, you know, later on in my career, when I'm, when I'm done with ball and actually – sit back and think about the things that I accomplished, then I can say it's, it's pretty good. But as of right now, man, it's, it's really ain't nothing because I can tackle all day. You know, Darius, I'm curious about this defense. First week you guys give up, I think, 27 to Jacksonville. Since then, you've given up 18. What was going on week one and what has changed the past two weeks? Now, you know, some are, some are going to say it's the opponent. Oh, nah, I mean, that, I mean, that too, but... You got to understand, I, th- I feel like week one was, you know, we had no preseason game. Everything looked great on paper. And you just knew that you were the better team. So, you know, you went out there, you're like, okay, we're better than this team. And we got hit in the mouth. And we're like, okay, wait a minute. We got to bring it. No, we, nobody's going to hand us anything. So we, we took that correction. We, I mean, we watched the film, we watched the tape, and saw all the things that we could have done better. And when we went into practice, it was like, hey, we're not going to feel that feeling again. We don't want to feel that feeling. We we look good on paper. We know we can be good, so let's go out and prove it each week. And the past two weeks, it, it has been, you know, we want shutouts. No matter who it is, if, if their offense don't score, we win the ball game. And that's the mindset that we got to have. We don't want nobody running the ball on us, and we don't want the quarterback throwing the ball, so we want our D-line to go eat, get sacks. And we just have that mindset that we want to be the number one defense, but nobody's going to hand it to us. So this week you got the Bears, unbeaten. Um, what kind of challenge do they present? Because you know they're coming in with Nick Foles now as their quarterback. So so what are the big challenges that you're going to face with them? Almost definitely. First of all, stop the run. You know, every, you, you know if any, any game you play, you got to stop the run, make, make an offense one-dimensional. And once you do that, that's when our defensive line can eat. You know, you can play, play well in coverage. You know, stop their top, top receivers, uh, stop all their um, – their uh, play action boots, and then, you know, that uh, zone read they have, you know, just stopping that and make Nick Foles sit in the pocket. You know, he's not a guy who's going to try to escape the pocket. So we got to let him sit in the pocket, let our DBs, you know, do what they do in the back end and just let the dogs eat up front. You know, you talk about your defensive line. I'm curious. Obviously, you knew about DeForest Buckner before he got there. But what have you seen since his arrival that maybe you didn't know about him and how is he? In, how has he acclimated himself to what you guys are doing? Um, he's a he's a when I say a beast, he's a he's a beast. He's like six. I think he's six eight, two hundred and ninety five, three hundred pounds, and he's like very athletic. It's like it's it's crazy. And then you see it in practice how he you know throwing guys around. And then last week you see it against um, the Vikings. He just tossing grown men around like they don't have family in the stands and. You know, that it, it's crazy what he brings because now offensive line cannot just, you know, bump and come up 
quick. They got to take care of our defensive line because we have some dogs up front. And with DeForest playing on the three technique, you know, he's just – he's big, he's strong, he's powerful, and he's he's making plays. And I, that's one thing that I really, you know, I'm proud of. You know, he's making plays. He's not just in there, you know, clogging up the hole. He's actually in there making plays as well. How much easier does he make it on you, Darius? A lot easier. A lot easier. I could, you know, that I can think about that play that everyone's talking about from last week was when I had a guy for a TFL. If you look at it, my defensive line is doing a great job getting out the getting out the block and the offensive line. You know, they can't jump up on me, so this allows me to use my speed, quickness, and striking ability to uh, make plays. So, you know, that he's helped out tremendously, and I'm definitely looking forward to it. The next fifty games we have. <laughs> Yeah, you look like the running back going through an open hole the way you got the, the way you got through the line. Hey, okay, also, the impact of the D-line coach, your fellow Omega brother, probably future Pro Football Hall of Famer, Robert Mathis. Um, what type of relationship do you guys have, and and how how do you think he's helping out younger players? Um, I'm, me and, me and uh, Rob, you know, besides, you know, the frat, you know, we're, we're still HBCU guys, so since I came in, you know, everything has been great around him and uh, just having him there to, for guidance and especially for a guy who who rushed a lot. You know, I'm always rushing the passer or going against the back. You know, he's the number one guy you you go to. You know, he's the ring of honor here. And, you know, just how much you know about pass rushing is, is amazing. And, you know, during special team moments, I mean, special team drills, you see him – with the defensive line or the younger guys, and they're working hands 24-7, then, then you see it translate to practice, you know, how what they're, what he's teaching them on the sideline, they're doing it in practice, and they're, they're winning. I, I really feel like that's why our defensive line is so good because you have a great a great coach as Robert Mathis is teaching them the game. He played it. That's one thing you got you to gotta enjoy. Someone who played it and was great at it, and then they're even better coach of, how are they doing it? You know, that's what makes the next person so great because you have someone who's been there and teaching you the game. And I think that's why our defensive line is so good. Yes, we have great players, but them great players are learning from a great coach and taking taking the coaching. And, you know, in the NFL, there's a lot of people who think they know it all. And we have so many selfless guys going, go ask Robert Mathis, hey, what can I do here? How can I get better? And Robert Mathis is there to teach him every step of the way. Darius, what's it like as a player, and I don't know how many times this matchup has taken place in practice or camp, when you get Nelson, say, versus a Buckner? What is it like to watch that in practice? It's, it's amazing because it's, it's best on best. And, you know, you know, one of them nasty and one of them frequently long, athletic, and is very powerful. So it's, it's a great matchup, and you want to watch it. Like, you call a blitz knowing that they're going to hit each other and you're in the blitz, but you really don't want to blitz because you want to see them go head to head. So, I mean, it's amazing. And, you know, just how they work with, work with each other, it just make both of them better. And you see it on Sunday. Is, is one getting better than the other? Nah, nah. I think, I think nah, both of them. you ain't going to say that, huh? You ain't going to bite on that. I think both of them doing well, man. Both of them keep working. I, I, I love it. I love seeing it. Hey Darius, we you you know we're playing in this in this weird climate with the with the pandemic, the COVID nineteen uh, going on, all the precautions the league has taken, and then all of a sudden we find out that the Tennessee Titans have eight people, three players, five staffers test positive. They're shutting down all operations, as are the Minnesota Vikings, the team that they played the previous week. When you see that from afar, seeing how disruptive they can be, because no one can come back until they're all negative, so that's probably till at least Friday. They play a game Sunday. What is that saying, you know, to you guys? And, and what about what you individually and you guys as a team have done to try to prevent an issue like this from breaking out? Um, you know, it definitely sucks. Um, you know, it's the first one, you know, during the season that it, this is happening, and you know, once it hit, you know, everybody asking questions like. What, what's going to happen? Like, we we just want to know, like, is they still going to play? Do the other teams still get to play? You know, then you, you bring in a money situation. Do you get paid if they don't play? You know, it's all things you think about. And then us as the coach, you know, we always talked about, you know, doing the right thing. You know, we got to put we got to put ourselves in a, in a great situation. You don't go out. You don't do anything crazy. You're washing your hands. Make sure you have, you know, less family coming in and out just so, you know, you won't – 
have don't have no problems. So we got to continue to do what we can do, and that is staying clean, make sure you're washing your hands, wearing a mask, and taking every little step that we have to take to make it through this season to make sure that everybody's staying healthy. And it always just comes back to the locker room. It's about the players. you got to have players to say, okay, we got to stick together. Like, yes, you want to go out and you want to go have fun, but that's so much of a bigger goal that we're trying to reach. And if you have everybody in the locker room wanting to reach that same goal and willing to risk family time, really willing to risk, you know, going out on a, on a date or anything, being involved or seeing other people, you got to be able to say, okay, I got to, I cannot do this because of the team. And you got to put the team before anything right now. Where your team yeah, is. Yeah, you know, honestly speaking, that has been the most surprising thing to me this entire season thus far is the discipline that the players overall have shown. And honestly speaking, did you think as a player guys would be this disciplined where last week or prior to, to this week we had no infections the week before? Um, are you surprised at all that guys have actually taken it that seriously and been this disciplined? I'm very surprising because, I mean, we're professional athletes and, you know, we want to go out. We want to go do things. You want to spend time with the family. You want to travel. And now that once Corona hit, you got to put a halt to all of that. And it's, it's just amazing that people, like you said, are being disciplined to say, I cannot do this because of this reason. And if the world would just listen and do the same exact thing, I think this all will just blow away. I mean, people saying, you know, I'm not wearing a mask because of this reason, or I'm not doing this because of this reason. And they're the reason why this corona is still spreading as much as it is. And if everybody just follow every protocol, I, I pray and I hope that this thing will soon go away. Was was this in any way a wake-up call without, without in Tennessee? Um, yes, because, you know, like you said, I don't think you've been saying, uh, everybody's been safe, everybody's been safe, everybody's been safe. So once you see everybody staying safe, that's when you feel like you can relax. You can put your guard down and you can go do whatever you want to do. So now that you're seeing that, you know, a team or two teams being hit with it, you're like, okay, wait a minute, I can't do it. I got, I got to make sure that I'm staying healthy, make sure that I'm not putting my teammates nor my family in jeopardy of catching Corona. So, yes, it was a wake-up call, but, you know, you got you to continue to just stay disciplined through it all. Darius, I want to I make the subject a little lighter for a minute. I've known your quarterback since he came into the league. And one thing I know about him, he's extremely competitive and he likes to talk, particularly in practice. What is it like in practice with Phillip when defenders are ready to get after him and what is said and and, and take us through that? It's it's amazing because me, I'm a trash talker as well. So once he signed and, you know, I saw all the videos of him, you know, trash talking. So, I'm like, okay, this is going to be a great, great year of practice, you know, just trash talking and making each other better. So now every – before every every um, every period, I'm going right to him. You know, I'm talking trash to him, you know, just, just competing and just – I know if I can get him to compete, that's going to make me so much better and I'm going to make him better. And, you know, if he make a, if he make a play, he's talking trash. If I'm making a play, um, I'm talking trash. And it just make it – making the practice fun – and once you compete in practice and it carries to the game, you make that play so many times in practice because you're competing because you do not want Phillip to start talking trash or Jacoby. Because <laughs> Jacoby talks just as much trash as Phillip. So you know no, any I have a hard time believing trash. that. I have a hard oh, time man. believing that. Listen, listen. Jacoby talks just as much trash as Phillip. So oh. no, matter, no matter what you do, do not let them complete a pass in practice. Because if you do, you, you're going to hear it. And, you know, that's that's one thing that I love because that's just making the DBs and the linebackers, you know, just fight for that extra inch because you do not want them to make a play on you because they're going to talk trash. And it's amazing. It's very fun out there. But the one thing about Phillip, though, is that he doesn't curse. Nope, not at all. So, Bad so what is what – yeah, exactly. <laughs> what is his trash talking like to you guys? Is you know, he just – like – it's trash talking in a sense, but it's like nice trash talking. <laughs> you know, like you said, he, he don't he don't curse. He don't, you know what I mean. So he's talking trash, but he's just really saying, okay, you need to get over here. I just hit the ball behind you or something. But it's funny, like you know, everybody here call him now Uncle Phil. I always told him that you're too old to be our brother. So 
we got to call you off the field. So now, you know, just talking trash there. Like, so we got cornhole boards in there, you know, we play cornhole, you know, it's very competitive in there. So everything we do, we always compete and just talking trash and just, you know, fellowshipping with each other. Uncle Phil, I, heard, I love that, man. Uncle Phil, I don't think Uncle it is Phil. Prince of Bel-Air, but, you know. <laughs> so there Are there any quarterbacks in the NFL who talk like him? Anybody that you played against who bark like him? No. Even if they no. curse or not? No, it's no. just Phil. No, because I think he talks so much trash in, in practice because he got the red jersey on. You can't hear uh. him. You know? <laughs> you know what I mean? So there's not, there's, you're, you're not going to find too many quarterbacks who really talk trash in a game where we really can hit you. You know what I mean? We, we're in practice. You can talk all the trash you want. Nobody's going to touch you. But in the game, we're going to get you. <laughs> we're going to get you. So there's not too many quarterbacks who really – who really talk trash like that? Unless unless they just threw a touchdown, then they're gonna talk trash then. But just off a of simple completion, nah, they know better than that. Nah, Philip gets under your skin because what what I was told is that, for instance, when he plays pickup basketball, he'll sit out at the yeah he'll sit out at the three point line, and when he hits it, he's like, "You gonna give me that shot? You really gonna give me that?" Yeah, and yeah, he's he, doing little things like that that just get oh, under yeah. your skin. He, he can shoot now. He, he that's one thing he can do. He can shoot, man. I mean, he can't, right. I mean, he old, so he can't move too good, but he, he can shoot, though. Hey, Darius, okay. I, got, I, got, I got for you. When Phillip was young, he couldn't move that well. So <laughs> that, that ain't nothing new. I'll tell you that. Hey, so, hey, so Darius, so if Phil was in South Carolina State, he could hang with the fellas and, and keep up with the Jonesy going on? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He ain't out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He a jokester. Yeah, he... He don't, he, don't, he don't let any, anything get up on his skin. So, yeah, he, he can hang and, you know, talk a little trash. Yeah, he, he, he'd be good in the hood. <laughs> there we go. Okay, so here's a here's a question real quick. So, we, so we're seeing scoring up in the NFL. Teams are, are averaging, like, more than 30 points a game. That's more than four points ever on average in NFL history. So we had Larry Fitzgerald on the podcast last week. He said because of empty stadiums, it is so easy for offenses – to move the ball. Now, your defense, you've allowed fewer points than any team in the NFL. Do you think that because of the empty stadiums, there is some type of offensive advantage? Yes, I mean, somewhat, because you're hearing all communication. You know, defensively, you hear all, you mean, hearing all our checks and everything, you know, exactly, you know, what we'll be in sometimes. But I don't think that it, I, don't, I definitely don't think empty stadiums have anything to do with, you know, teams scoring points because at the end of the day, Defensively, we still got to do our job, which I think offensively is the easiest jobs you can easily – I mean, you can do. I mean, defensively, we're stopping y'all. We don't know what y'all doing. But offense, you know exactly what you're running. So I think offense, you know, that's pretty easy. But I don't I don't think anything doing with people in the stands. I just think people – like when we played against um, the, uh, Jacksonville, it was poor execution on our part. And to be a great defense, you got to make sure that all 11 is doing their job. And when teams score nine times out of 10, it's someone on the defense not doing their job. That's how teams score, I think. And like in my eyes, that's what happened to us. So if all 11 guys doing their job, I, I don't think teams will score. So I don't think anything to do with, do with the fans and whatnot. But that was a good excuse. <laughs> <laughs> What do you say to critics who say you guys have gotten healthy against some bad teams last couple of weeks, meaning Minnesota and the Jets? Um, it's the NFL. Every team is good. I mean, everybody got good and good players. And, you know, you know, you can win and still get better. You know, you, you can win and get worse. You know, you can win a game, but you still play worse than what you did the week before. And I feel like we're getting better each week, not even worrying about who our opponent is. And, you know, this week right here is going to be a great challenge for us, you know, coming in to an undefeated undefeated team with the Bears with a great offense and a great defense. So it's definitely going to be a good challenge. But people got to understand, take away the name of the team that we're facing and just look up how we're getting better each week. Don't look at the team saying that the team is bad. Just look at our defense, see the way we hustle, see the way we hit, and see how we execute our game plan and watch how it gets better from week one to week two to week three, that's what makes us who we are. And it's not just we're playing against, you know, teams who don't have winning record. I just feel like we're getting better, taking all the right directions in, in our defensive scheme. Deion Sanders going to coach at Jackson State. 
what are your thoughts on that getting such a high profile uh, coach going there? And then I got a follow up for you because I know you like to do a little coaching too. Yeah, that's a, that's amazing. You know, just having a big time name coming down to a HBCU. You know, I couldn't tell you the last big name that you know was a you know was a coach at a HBCU. You know, you see guys who made it to the NFL. They're going back to the powerhouse schools. You know, and for Prime to go back down to HBCU, it means a lot because, you know, now people coming out of high school can say, you know, my coach can be Prime, and they know Prime is going to teach them everything and put them in the right position to make plays. And for him to go there, that's, that's definitely doing a, doing a great thing for HBCUs right now. Would you be interested in coaching? Because when I know when you were at SC State, you used to drive two hours home and, and go help your, your high school – coach your high school football team on Fridays. Yeah, that, that's my dream. Um, you know, I want to I want to go back home and uh, coach high school ball. I don't I don't want to do college. I don't want to do NFL. I want to start young cuz I feel like, you know, in college ball, it's a lot of prima donnas and in the NFL, you know, it's a lot of prima donnas there. So if you get kids early, they be humble, they be hungry and just just make sure they got that drive in them early. And I feel like a lot of kids now are trying to do so much for social media instead of more of learning the game, playing the game the right way. So I want to go back to high school and try to get them, get them early and try to teach them the game the right way and the right way to play the ball game. That's awesome, man. Props to you. Seriously. By the way, how's that wedding ring? Oh, I got it back. I got it back. Tell us that story. It was tough. Um, uh, I mean, I always throw my gloves. You know, it's just a sign of, you know, to, um, thank you, you know, to the fans for being out there, you know. And seeing a little kid, you know, I'm always trying to throw my gloves or sign an autograph for a little kid. And when I threw it, you know, I wasn't even thinking about, you know, looking down at my hand. So I took a shower and as I was getting dressed and I said, oh, this is not good. I don't have my ring. And I was like, the only only way that I could have lost it was, you know, throwing it in the stand. So, you know, I told my wife, but luckily they got a hold of her, too, on social media. So she believed me. So it, it kind of went good there. <laughs> I wasn't in the doghouse for too long. <laughs> oh, man. oh, man, that's funny. Hey, hey Jim, it's funny because, you know, the story, I, I love the story of you and your wife. You know, you've known her since kindergarten and, and how you guys came up. So I'm sure there was a lot of trust and understanding there because you've been through it all uh, with the missus. Yeah, all right. was, it was great. It was great to know her from, you know, day one. She knows exactly about me, so it was good. All right, so finally, we got to see if you had a change of heart, man. You and Tariq said that Howard University, known worldwide as having the best homecoming at HBCUs and all of colleges. You said NCANT has the best homecoming. Now, we, we don't know if you were having a bad day or anything like that, but um, <laughs> we just want to give you an opportunity to revisit your thought on that, sir. Oh, my answer is my answer still the same. Um, you know, like I said, um, I'm the outlier, you know, you're Howard, Tariq's, North Carolina A&T, and I'm here outside looking in on both of them and visiting both of them. I got to go with Gio. Gio was different. North Carolina A&T homecoming just be rocking. Jim. I'm trying to be respectful of our guests. <laughs> uh, I want to come back on one day. So I, no, you know, we, right, I right. Hard, you know? No, we won't do that. We we just got to we got to take him back and have him. We got to go to Geo. That's what we have to do. I'm That's old, it. but I haven't That's been. It. So we so Darius has to take us down there. Yes, sir. Give we have a three. good time. I'm gonna tell you oh. what. Truthfully, I'm too old for it. I'll leave that <laughs> to you, young boys, man. Yes, sir. <laughs> I'm going to live off my memories. <laughs> that, that's the truth. Hey, well, Darius, man, we always appreciate you. We appreciate the time. We appreciate what you do in representing yourself and your family and HBCUs and the Colts. So uh, just keep doing your thing. And thanks so much for joining us here on the Huddle and Flow. Yes, sir. We'll do it. Thank you, guys. All right, Jim, I guess I'm going to have to take one of my, at least one of my 20-some-year-old sons to uh, NCANT and see what Jiho is all about. But I will still never, ever concede that Howard does not have the best homecoming. We don't do that, Steve. We don't concede no. those things. So it's all good. No. But look, I love when you guys were, when you were talking, when you brought up Philip Rivers in the, in the non-cursing trash talking conversation. That was great stuff.
No, Darius, he was fine with it. I didn't know Darius was such a big trash talker. So if you've got two of them going in practice and you're on the other side of the ball and Phillip Rivers is on one side of it, trust me, I don't know how the coaches keep a straight face if they do, because it has to be a lot of fun, man. NFL Films needs to get in there for that. NFL Films, we need to get in there and get a mic. They need to be on hard knocks if Phillip comes back next year. Also love the fact Darius talked about, you know, coaching on the high school level, you know, impacting lives and not allowing his kids to become prima donnas, to learning the right way and becoming men the right way. I just, you know, Jim, we've talked to him before about, you know, his, his trials through going to an HBCU and it's all about doing things, taking kind of the, the, the road less traveled and working through it to become better. And you can just see that is so much of his fiber. And I just love, love talking with him. Oh, I'm with you, Steve. I, I just thought that spoke to his character, you know, that that a guy who was on path to be one of the great players in Colts franchise history already has his mind made up about what he wants to do and the impact he wants to have on young people. I just think that's tremendous that that he can see beyond today and look to tomorrow and know where his impact is going to be. Just I can't even put in the words, just props to him. That That's um, it's just incredible. Shows his character. On the issue of coaching, we're going to close this out with Eric Bieniemy. Um, and I know, Jim, we know there's conversation whether he calls the plays or not with Kansas. It doesn't uh. matter. He, he, he coaches it, right? Like, I, I, you know, we, we speak to Eric. He coaches Patrick. He coaches the running back. He coaches the offensive linemen. And I want to give props to ESPN on their coverage of Monday Night Football because they kept the cameras on Eric a lot. And they talked about what he does a lot. And no matter what we think and what we do as media members, we do influence some of these coaching candidates to owners, to search firms. And if they continue to hear Eric Bieniemy, Eric Bieniemy, Eric Bieniemy, not just because he's a nice guy or whatever, but because he's qualified and he's doing a hell of a job and he's learning under Andy Reid, who's, you know, we know he's got a great coaching tree already in the NFL, to give them credit for continuing to do, to, to show Bieniemy because. So often that camera used to be on Andy Reid. He's the play caller. He's the guru. And, yeah. and to see it to see it shift on Eric, especially juxtaposed to Wink Martindale, the DC for Baltimore, who's getting a lot of conversation about being a head coach as well. I, I you know, props to them because Eric deserves to be a head coach. Yeah, no question, Steve. And, and I know that that has been a point of emphasis, at least from the league standpoint, with his broadcast partners this year, to say, look, we are trying to expand the pool of diverse candidates. One of the ways you do that is by recognition, name recognition, and becoming more familiar with who these men are and what they do. And so, unfortunately, in the past, it, typically it would be someone like Charles Davis, you know, who would who would bring up these minority coaches and, and the impact that they have on these offenses and defenses and these players. So to have ESPN do that last night, um, no, it's big. And I, hopefully every other um, network broadcast team will do the same in terms of highlighting the work that these men are doing. And Jim, to your point, when Eric does get his opportunity, make sure it's the right job, man. Make sure it's the right gig. It's like in Domino's, my, my dad used to always say to me and still says to me when he whips me, all money ain't good money. And in the NFL, every job ain't a good job. So just always keep that in the back of your mind. Right on. Well, we want to thank our guest, Darius Leonard, Jim Trotter. Well done once again. And we got something special for our Huddle and Flow Nation, which is growing by the day. We can't thank you again. Thursday, Jim and I are going to be speaking to one of our favorite journalists. And Jim, as journalists, you know, it's funny. We, we cover football. We cover sports. We analyze. We, but journalism is our sweet spot. We're going to have Soledad O'Brien, um, who's got her own production company. You see her on HBO Real Sports. You've seen her on CNN. Jim, this is going to be a treat because we're going to talk about the profession and how we handle our coverage and how we deal with diversity and how we deal with touchy issues because nobody may do it better than her. She's, she's tremendous. You know, if I can be a fanboy, a journalism fanboy for – uh, someone, it would be Soledad, because she just is, she's unflinching when it comes to taking on the power structure and calling out hypocrisy, those sorts of things. She is truly one of my favorites. 
I think that our listeners will enjoy it. And uh, I'm looking forward to it myself. Yeah, a- absolutely. I'm fanboying all over that. All right. This is the Huddle and Flow podcast. I'm Steve Weich for Jim Trotter, Thomas Warren. And Jim, our producer, our oh. pal, is getting ready to leave us, which which sucks. Um, Arjuna, we want to wish you the best on your next ventures. We love you, brother. Uh, we hope we connect in the future because you helped us launch something special and you'll always be a part of us. Arjuna is the best. And, and one of the things he's reminding us of, Steve, this is what makes him so good, too. We need you guys to subscribe. We need you to write reviews, give us ratings so that we can give you more of what you're looking for. So uh, to the listeners out there, please subscribe, review, give us ratings. And to Arjuna, we're going to miss you, man. One of the best. We are out. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish spring body wash and bar soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.